So they're kind of like puffy. They want to be in the video. <laughs> they they <laughs> want you, it all. Hey, hey, if you want to come to a sports radio show where the producer ain't all up in the video and all up on the songs, come to Rehab Sports Guys. Shout out to Suge Knight, and I hope they lock you under the jail. <laughs> Live on 12 Ounce Sports Radio. This is Ann, and I just totally threw them off because they weren't ready, but it's okay. We're live on 12 Ounce Sports Radio, brought to you by Book Like a Pro. I just it, so happened to look down and see it was live on the on the feed. I was like, <laughs> oh, here we go. Good thing about him being on his phone. Yeah. This is the Rehab Sports Guys. What's up? What's up, dude? What's up? So we had a couple trades and. Massive contract extension yesterday. Before we get to that, I do this every day. I have an announcement to make. My new name is now Wizard1041. So I keep y'all up to date. Y'all want to keep keep boosting this name, but uh, don't get don't don't get it twisted. The uh, the Twitter handle is still the same. I'm not changing that every five minutes. Hey man, don't be mad because I've like. Quintupled, if that's yeah, quintupled your uh, Twitter following. That's cool. The man I, of the people. I'm trying to follow 10 billion people either, but it's, uh, no, it's only 2,000. So. Hey, I can't hate out 16. I follow 1,600 people. Probably like 700, which is national or. Right. So, we get real football tonight. Finally. Yeah. At least on the college level. Oh, speaking of which, don't forget, tune in at 6 p.m. Eastern to the Scout Team Radio, guys. They will be live on location at, a, I believe, a tavern in, I don't know what city it is, in Florida. If you're in the Orlando area, check it out. If not, let's do it on 12 Outsports Radio. They'll be previewing the UC, UCF versus UConn opener. That should be pretty fun to listen to. <laughs> yeah, they'll be giving out they'll be giving out uh, UCF tickets and stuff like that. Hey, so uh, somebody from twelve, um, not from twelve ounce, somebody from a scout team, uh, shoot us a uh, tweet and let us know exactly where you're going to be at, so Ian can then uh, tweet out or broadcast that location, so y'all can fill up the. You said it was a tavern. Yeah, it's a it's a bar tavern and. Orlando. Are they going to hand out championship rings to all their fans too? Because that would be dope. Mm. Replica rings, you mean? Do what? You mean the replicas? Yeah. I they're... mean, do you realize that there's actually people that recognize that in the stat books? Yeah, so does Houston. 13 and 0 is 13 and 0. Did Houston go undefeated a couple years ago? Uh, not that I know. Did they that year that Tom Herman was there? Uh-uh. I know they beat Oklahoma that year. Oh, no, they lost a couple games there at the end. Yeah. But, so actually what should happen is then Auburn should get a championship banner for 2004 because they went undefeated and they didn't get to play for the BCS championship game. Um, I know there's plenty of other examples of teams. I know they just take it. They said the scout team will be hosting a watch party event August 30th at the Red Eye Sports Tavern in Winter Springs, Florida. For the Winter Springs, there you go. For the UCF versus UConn opening game. 
pregame show starts at 6 p.m. and will be aired on 12ounce430.com. I'm taking UConn by six in that game. I'm kidding. I don't know. UConn. UConn by 50. <laughs> You're just trying to stir up Johnny. Uh, like, just there was like one dude that played for UConn. He was a running back. I don't remember who it was that went to the league. It was like Brown, wasn't it? I don't even know. <laughs> it, it was during that whole time that like UConn and Rutgers uh, were, Dan, were uh, good. Orlovsky went to UConn. Yeah, well, I keep seeing his name pop up on ESPN, and I don't trust a dude who doesn't know not to step out of the back of the end zone. So, um, <laughs> every time I see Dan, and, and but he covers college football, I think now. He's actually really good at, 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 as far as like analytic, analyst stuff goes. Well, he just started a podcast called Out the Back of the End Zone. Um, that, that'd be cool. I mean, that, that was a year that Indianapolis went like. Touch, touch sacks over touch. No, no, that was the year Detroit went 0 and 16. And like, so, probably wasn't all his fault. I will say this. If y'all knew anything about us, how many times would we <laughs> spit out name ideas on for our shows? Right. Yeah. So, all right, let's get into it. Um, what are we talking about today besides sports? I mean, I thought we were just going to talk about sports and just let it go. So, anything in particular? What do y'all think about this Aaron Rodgers' massive contract extension? Well, he's worth all the money in the world. I knew this was going to happen. The problem, it's not really a problem. It's just like, uh, yeah, you need to pay Aaron Rodgers, but if you pay Aaron Rodgers, I'm not surprised you can't give him the help that he needs. I'm not surprised that he's got the extension, so to say, but I'm just surprised at the sheer amount compared to the years that he got. Like, it was, what, four years, right? Yeah, it was four, four years. Four years for 130-something mil? The thing is, is... For that kind of money, I would have thought it would have been at least five, maybe six. How old is Aaron Rodgers, though? And with his injury history, I think that... I mean, he signed it, so obviously he's comfortable with it. And Jimmy said he's only taking up 11% of the salary cap. Which I, I know that's a big number when you got 53 players on the roster, but it's not as big as, I don't think, the cap hit that see, some of these other quarterbacks... Green Bay, yeah, they kind of spend every now and again. Like, this offseason, they kind of spend a little and got uh, Wilkerson and... Who else did they get? They got somebody... I mean, they spend from time to time, but mostly they, they build their teams to the draft. They're not really big players in the free agent market, and if no. they do, it's a need. It's not like, oh, look at that big name out there. So, like, there's somebody on Twitter, and I'm sorry I don't remember who you are, but was he sent out a tweet that said if Khalil Mack is on the Packers roster week one, it's one of those, like, retweet, and everyone that retweets will get a Khalil Mack Packers jersey. Which is funny because I'm sure he tweeted that knowing good and well that Khalil Mack's not going to go to the Packers. The Packers aren't going to give up whatever Oakland's crazy and butts Buffalo are asking Buffalo was smart Buffalo would get him because... Buffalo isn't. Buffalo is looking at it. The Buffalo and the Jets. Like, Buffalo is quietly from all... I have a lot of Bills people. Um, hold on. Steph Tweet Sports. At Steph Tweet Sports. He's like Josh Allen's biggest fan in the world. Um, let me look her up real quick. But she's... Uh, do bu- you remember where Khalil Mack went to school? Yeah, he went to Buffalo. Yeah. yeah, so... Talk about talk about something that would give you added bank just for off of 
market, uh, just off of marketability. I mean, a hometown guy, or guy from that went to the University of Buffalo playing for the Buffalo Bills, like you can't get better than that if you're a Bills person. I would imagine. Yeah. So at Steffi tweets, S T E P H I E. She hasn't said anything about the Khalil Mack thing, but she's a Buffalo fan. And from what I'm hearing is Buffalo and New York are quietly waiting to see, are quietly waiting to see what the Raiders are actually asking for. Right. Well, I think that I think that he will get traded. It's just a matter of where where he gets traded. And I thought that Aaron Donald would be in the same predicament, but I saw last night that. They were really close to getting the deal done with him. So, I'm just wondering. I mean, I know, I know it's L.A. And L.A. has all the money in the world. They're kind of like New York and they're kind of like Boston in that, in that they have so much money compared to other teams. No, they don't. They have the same amount of money as teams do as a salary cap. But, I'm just shocked that they're going to be in a position to be able to afford all those other guys and then signing. Like, I thought after they made all those deals, I figured they were dead in the water. There was, would be no way they could be able to afford signing Aaron Donald. Well, it's not that they couldn't afford Aaron Donald. From what I heard, they offered to make Aaron Donald the highest paid defensive player in the NFL, and Aaron Donald wants quarterback money. I just heard that yesterday. Oh, he deserves it. He's the best defensive no, player he, in the league. No, he, gets, he deserves to get paid as the best defensive player in the league. He doesn't deserve quarterback money because... What would their defense be without him? It doesn't matter. You don't pay any. So, so you're going to go pay one defensive dude that got the may get a couple of sacks. How? You saw you saw the Texans defense on the years that they lost J.J. Watt. It was not nearly as good. I'm just saying, do you know what quarterback money is? Because eventually they're going to have to pay. Do what? Apparently it's $134 million and $100 million guaranteed now. I'm just saying, you you don't. That's the way the NFL salary cap works. Unless he is an all-time great and he directly leads you to a Super Bowl by himself, which a defensive player doesn't, you're not paying him quarterback money. Sure. Now, high-end defensive player money is still really good money. So I just think that. I mean, I don't disagree. I don't think that he should get that kind of value. Absolutely, absolutely. But I think that if, because the way the NFL is always working, whether it's fair, whether it's right, or whether it's wrong, if the NFL, the way the NFL has always worked is that you get paid based what your production is at your position. That was the big deal when Jimmy Graham was trying to get paid as a wide receiver, and even Drew Brees had to go and not. Jimmy Graham, that was the other one that, that the Packers got this offseason. Well, I hope they didn't pay him a lot of money because without Drew Brees, he has done nothing. That's the one. I, was, I knew there was another one. I couldn't remember who it was. Jimmy Graham. That's who it was. Yeah, but they also got rid of Jordy Nelson, which I guess yeah, wasn't... Jordy Nelson was washed. You can't say he's washed because of one year he was hurt. And, and he's the thing declined about, a lot in the last couple of years, though. Yeah, but it wasn't like Jordy Nelson was asking for number one receiver money. They just True. got rid of him. True. And so... It's kind of like what... The, I mean, it's what... Cowboys did with Dez. Yeah, that's different. Dez was making $16 million a year and wasn't worth 16 and Dez wanted $16 million right. and a long-term deal. With Jordy Nelson, the, the thing with Jordy was they didn't even like offer him a pay cut. They I mean, just cut it. I mean, this is kind of what the Packers do, though. 
they had they develop good receivers that they keep around for a good long while, and they get rid of. Them. I mean, look at James Jones. Yeah, look but, at Donald Driver. Donald Driver was there for a very long time. Yes, he was. My thing with Jordy is I think that if the quarterback wants him, and the quarterback's obviously the best player on that team by a long shot since Clay Matthews has declined, you at least offer Jordy a pay cut. If he doesn't take one, yeah, I cut him. Just because those receivers in Green Bay, I mean, I'm not sold on Devontae Adams as your number one receiver. Jimmy Graham hasn't shown me that he can produce consistently in a system outside of Sean Payton's system. Because where did Jimmy Graham? Jimmy Graham went to Seattle. Well, to be fair, Seattle runs for the only one well, then they shouldn't have got him. It doesn't matter. I, and Jimmy Graham doesn't block. And he's a tight end. I just think that was a bad fit. I still think Jimmy Graham can be really, really good. I don't. I think he's washed since you like to call people washed. I don't think he's washed, but I think that I think that he fit a system in New Orleans where they fed him the ball a lot. And but, it, but in that same system, Kobe Flinger hadn't been as good. In what system? In that New Orleans Saints system. Well, he's not as good as Jimmy Speaking Graham. Speaking of the Saints, what do you think about them picking up uh, Teddy Bridgewater? Bad for Teddy? Really? You don't think? Unless he's the quarterback of the future, it's terrible for him. He's not going to be able I'm to showcase his value. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking they're trying to save themselves from having to worry about drafting one. Because <clears throat> I think they know that, that Breeze is probably within a couple more years of being out of there. So they... Instead of, so instead of just drafting a quarterback, they decided they would just trade for one that was still pretty young in, oh. in retrospect and just give him an extension and let him wait it, wait it out. Let me take that back. I don't think it's bad for Teddy Bridgewater. I don't – I think it's – I mean, I'd rather be a backup for the Saints than be a starter for the, for the Jets if they're right now. Yes, and I think that it gives him a ch- – I just think that it, it's the bad. Okay, so he goes to New Orleans, which has a good offensive system where he doesn't have, where he's not going to be asked to play immediately. So that's and it's a good thing for Teddy that he can, because he can get fully healthy again. I think he is fully healthy. I mean, though. just to I mean, how much more say, fully healthy does he need to get? I mean, I'm not saying that he's, he's been out of football for I'm, like 18 months. No, I'm not saying that he isn't. I'm just saying just in case. Well, no, he needs to play because we need to teams need to see that he can still play now. My point is, he is going to a team with an older quarterback and with a quarterback coach who is their head coach mm-hmm. that can utilize his skill set. So, in that way, it's good. And he's got a lot of offensive weapons down there. Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. Uh, That's assuming all these guys are still going to be there when he gets his shot. Yeah. Did Drew Brees just sign like a two-year deal, didn't he? I think so. And so, Brees has probably got two more years. And it's, I thought, didn't he sign his like a two or three year deal like last year. I think so, something like so that. this should be like his second year though, right? Yeah, Drew Brees. But see, now we're entering an era where Tom Brady is playing in year 41 and Brees hasn't been banged up because Brees doesn't get hit a lot. That is really, you know, like that's one of the more surprising things to me of anything at the quarterback position in the NFL is given Brees' age and given his size, he's never been banged up. Like he had that shoulder issue in San Diego, but once he got to New Orleans, he's been fine. Right. Because it's it's a combination of he gets the ball out quickly, and he's a very, very, very smart quarterback. Yes, he So is. he doesn't take unnecessary hits. 
if he does scramble outside of the pocket out of necessity, he's not taking unnecessary hits. Breeze is a first first ball, right? Yeah. First ball. Yeah. Right. I mean, even though I think his numbers are slightly inflated, and I say very slightly because of the system he plays in, like if you watch Drew Brees play quarterback, you mean, and, and he's the city of New Orleans. He is New Orleans. So, yeah, I mean. And he has a ring, so. Like, like we, we had this discussion between him and Roethlisberger, where I think Roethlisberger has the accomplishments, but I think Brees is the overall prototypical better quarterback. Ben can just yeah, do a little ben, more. I think if Ben has more accomplishments, but. But Breeze has more. I think Breeze is the better quarterback. I think Breeze has more staff in this. Let's be fair, they're two different quarterbacks. Yeah. Ben's a backyard brawler, mm-hmm. and Breeze is a sit in the pocket and carve you up and, and chunk the ball down the field. And Ben can do that too. It's so crazy to me, though, that, that, that Breeze puts up stats like what you would think a guy that would be like 6'5, six, 6'6 six, six would put up. And then Ben. Ben, for the majority of his career, put up stats like a guy you would think would be like 6'2 would put up. Like, it's crazy. Well, Ben did it early in his career, and then in the middle of his career, he had a bunch of inflated numbers because they didn't have... Before Le'Veon Bell and after Willie Parker, he had to chunk the ball a lot more down the field. This is true. But uh, Roethlisberger doesn't have like... Like, he doesn't have that 35 touchdown season. He's usually at like 28 and 14. He's usually a 2-to-1 interception guy. Ben also gets a lot of balls intercepted off tips, and he's he's had some bad interceptions. And Breeze's interceptions have kind of hovered around that same mark. But he, my point is, not everyone could be Aaron Rodgers, who has the most ridiculous touchdown to interception rate of any quarterback ever. That's why he's worth the money. Oh, I agree, he's worth the money. So he's, he's hands down the best quarterback in the league. Take away the Super Bowls, take away the playoffs, just as a regular season quarterback. As a just a quarterback, you have Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, who's the better quarterback. Right now? Like, over, over the course of their careers, as a quarterback, I'm not talking about clutch and Super Bowls. I'm talking uh, about you Rogers. play. Yes, and I would say that every day of the week, and Patriot fans would hate me, but Rodgers can throw the ball farther. He can throw the ball more accurately, and he doesn't, and he can do things after the play breaks down. And this is not a shot at Tom Brady, who I don't like, but... Come on, Tom Brady's one of the top, like, just, see, this This is what we do is weird in football, is we look at a guy like, like Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman has three Super Bowls, right? Troy Aikman's probably not in the top ten of just skill sets. Like, who is the better person at playing the position of quarterback? Yeah. Now, when you take the whole picture of who is the greatest QB of all time, then you start talking about, well, Brady's got to be up there because he's been to eight Super Bowls. I'm so young, I don't really remember. Was, was, was Troy mobile at all? Not really, Not no. Really. But see, Troy Troy was a really good quarterback that benefited from having such a good team I around him. He was really great. Troy was a winner, and Troy played well, but Troy didn't have... The good thing about Troy is Troy knew he had talent, and he never tried to do too much. Now, this, and listen, I was also young, and, and Aikman, I mean... I hate when guys get knocked for having good teams around him. Like, it's Troy Aikman's fault that he had a great offensive line. Like, it's Troy Aikman's fault. When he went to those Super Bowls, they won. Troy, and and luckily, Troy got out of football when the Cowboys started being bad. I mean, he got out of football before he wrecked his brain. But, yeah, Troy Aikman was a great quarterback. But if I look at Joe Montana, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, and... 
Peyton will just so daggum big. It's right. so daggum big, it's going to be hard to get him hurt too much. And the thing about Brady and Manning is that for the most part, their teams protected their quarterbacks. And Peyton was really smart, too. Like, yes. And, and Brady's took, really smart, too. He never took unnecessary hits. Like, you would, you would see Peyton, and he would just collapse. He would just collapse to the ground, oh, yeah. and nobody would hit him. It's like, nope. you, you very rarely saw his dirty, really, his jersey really that dirty. And that's yeah. not a knock. That's just, hey, like, that's why he played for so long, even with the neck surgeries, because mm-hmm. his, his offensive coordinators weren't out here getting him murdered. Which is my fear for, like, and that's the thing about Ben is because of the style that he plays, he's going to take those low hits to the legs. See, there was another, can we say, can I ask this, like, is this a fair question to say, as far as Peyton, was, was Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and all them, were they really that good or was it more that Peyton made them that good? Marvin Harrison was that good. Marvin Harrison had a set of hands on him that... Like Jerry Rice? Yes. Like, I'm not saying he had Jerry Rice hands, but he had close to Jerry Rice hands. Yeah. Reggie Wayne is the one that's hard because you, if you watch Reggie Wayne in college, like, Reggie Wayne is a very good receiver. Now, do I think... Now, that being said, did Peyton make them even better receivers? Absolutely. Look what he did with Dallas Clark and Brandon Stokely and... Anthony Gonzalez and all these other dudes you could just put in there and then Peyton obviously absolutely he made them better now do I think that Marvin Harrison on any other team puts up the numbers he puts up no and that was my point the other day on the Hog Show about Jim Caldwell is like Jim Caldwell was that offensive coordinator but at the end of the day that's why it's like hey Peyton we're gonna give you two runs and a pass and you pick it up but also you can Omaha Omaha pretty much do whatever you want because it's like coaching it's like coaching a superstar. Like you can have the greatest coach in the world, but at the end of the day, you're gonna go let Michael Jordan do what Michael Jordan does. You're gonna go let Tom Brady do what he does because as much as I think that Tom Brady when I say Tom Brady's overrated, it's really just the extreme fans who just look at the Super Bowls and the numbers he's accumulated early on because game managers get such a bad rap. That's what Tom Brady was early in his career. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. They had good defenses, and they won their games on the leg of their field goal kicker. And that's not Tom Brady's fault. Tom Brady put them in positions to win every single one of those games. But as a pure quarterback, I just look at it, and I'm seeing that I've just seen guys that are better at playing quarterback than Tom Brady. Not many. He's in the top five. Right. But Aaron Rodgers does things with, and I say this every time we talk about Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers can do things with a football that I've never seen other human beings able to do. It's just, it's God-given talent. Now, the knock on Rodgers and Breeze is they only have one Super Bowl. Go look at the teams around them. The Green Bay Packers really shouldn't even have been to the Super Bowl the year they beat the Steelers. But their defense overperformed, and they had Clay Matthews, who was really good, and Charles yeah, Woodson. Uh-huh. I, I don't, was, was Charles Woodson on that team? I think, I like... But with their set of receivers, they weren't... I mean, Pittsburgh went 12-4 that year, and they lost a Super Bowl. And Green Bay deserves that Super Bowl, and they won it. But Aaron Rodgers... So let, let, let's ask that question a different way, then. Is Jordy Nelson even a number one receiver without Aaron Rodgers? No. And I don't think so, either. That's not a knock on Jordy Nelson. The fact that he was able to... And, and that doesn't say that Jordy Nelson didn't do things that make himself a good wide receiver, either. But when you have these super elite quarterbacks, that it's just, 
Like then, I think he would have just been a, if he'd have been anywhere else, stick with an, with any other just middle of the road quarterback. He'd have just been a middle of the road receiver. Like Wes Welker before he went to the Patriots, he was a punt returner, slot receiver in Miami. Well, that's Miami. Too. Miami doesn't have a history of being very smart players. Yeah, but. My, my point is, it's not... But I get what you're saying. But yeah, then he goes to New England, and they it's just the way that New England and Denver knew how to utilize his skill set, right? Yeah. And so, and, and the, the point is that Miami didn't, because Miami's never had a history of having good, sustained wide receivers. And I think it's so funny <clears throat> that uh, it started with Wes Welker, and he went to the Patriots. Now it's Amendola. Yeah, Amendola. He went to uh, he went from the Patriots to the to the Dolphins. Yeah. That's so crazy. I think that's pretty wild. That the only time I've seen Amendola be anywhere decent is when he was with the Patriots. That kid, man, that guy is so daggone clutch though. In game, in game, it's just ridiculous. He's not the best guy, best receiver, obviously, but man, that guy is clutch. He just shows up when you need him. But see, I can make that argument about any of the Patriot receivers. Well, like, I guess look right. at their careers outside of New England. Uh, let's let's look at. Um, Where was Amendola before? He was he was he was a Ram. Was he? He was an often injured St. Louis Ram. Played with often injured Sam Bradford. Yes, and then he goes I to New England. But see, New England, like Chris Hogan, is a guy that just showed up. I, just shows up. Uh, James White. Deion Branch. I remember James White, though. James White was good in college. Like, he wasn't, like, great, great, but he was good. Right. I don't I don't take too much stock from college to NFL just because I've seen too much. And now, running back's different. If you can run in college, you should be able to run in the NFL, right? Right. There's not much different. Depending and, and, on what team you go to. Yeah, and, and depending on what your I mean, skill set you in college was. That's why Ron Dane. I mean, if you're if you're a running back that's good in college and you go to, say, the, you go to uh, Houston or... Uh, uh, or I'm trying to think of Giants or somebody like that. Well, unless you're like a safe one, Barkley, you're gonna have trouble because they can't block. If you go to a team with no offensive line, it's gonna be real so hard how, to show what you can do. So are you saying that for for the history of Houston, or just recently? Currently. Okay, good. Because I was like, there's a guy named Aaron Foster that went undrafted that was really good for them. Currently. Yeah, because Houston used to have good offensive lines, and then yeah. Don't get me, don't get it wrong by me. Like, the Giants offensive line is oh, atrocious. Like, they are very bad. But Saquon Barkley, to me, was one of those type of picks that was um, a once-in-a-generation type running back. I mean, I, I, I know it's crazy because he ain't never played a single game yet in the NFL, but I just think he's going to be one of those generational type running backs. I really, really do. Like, there's just something about that guy that's different. He's big. He, like, like, big, like, built big. But he's not, like, a, he's, like, 5'10", 220. And, and he can run your ass over. And catch the ball out of the backfield. And line up at receiver. And run past you. Run over you. I'm like, man, this dude is, like, like mini AP. But, like, he's, like, AP but smaller. I didn't watch him enough in college, and it doesn't matter in the NFL how good you are unless you're Barry Sanders. 
If you don't have an offensive line. Um, yeah, I don't... I, have, I see so many people picking the Giants to make the playoffs this year. And I, I don't think they could. If, but you just said they don't have an offensive line. And they have an immobile quarterback and a rookie running back. And if they, they can't run they, the ball, how are they going to throw the they, ball? If they're receivers, if, I mean, if OBJ stays healthy and Barkley does what I think he's going to do, I think, it, I think they could win despite their terrible offensive line. How are they going to get the ball out if they don't have an offensive line? How are they going to run the ball without an offensive line, David? You can't do anything in football without an offensive line unless you have Russell Wilson. Sure. Because it's like Seattle's had a terrible I mean, offensive they line. Did get, so they did get a couple guys this offseason, so maybe it won't be as bad as Right. Now, if their offensive line is better, then everything I said doesn't yeah. matter because as much as I trash Eli, you surround Eli with the right talent. Right. Because he, he Eli's not I mean, a terrible quarterback. He's just over supremely overrated. They got Solder from the Patriots. They got... That oh mama guy from oh mama oh memo whatever his name is from from Jacksonville who was all right I guess so I mean they got a couple guys on the offensive line I think to, to shore it up a little bit but that's for they're as bad as they were last year no nah, you're right but I mean they can't be as bad as they were last year as long as OBJ is healthy cause, right I mean, I mean with the, they, that would give them Sterling Shepard OBJ. Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram at tight end too. I mean, yeah, they I'm, have the weapons on offense, and their defense isn't. I don't think their defense is as bad as what they showed last year either, too, because a lot of that was their injuries that they had. Because I think that Janoris Jenkins, he's he's good. Their linebacking core is pretty good. I mean, I know they lost JPP. But I think that's still be our I mean, thing. they lost a guy with three fingers on one hand. I'm not too worried about that. He said it. Well, I mean, it's true. It's not like I'm making fun of the guy. He blew his hand. He blew half his hand off. I mean, and don't get me wrong, JPP still played well with. Like that tells you how good a dude is when he can. We can come out here and produce with only three. He may have four fingers. I don't know. He's like three and a half, right? But if you out here playing football with three and a half fingers and still doing stuff like good for you, well, JPP. Hey, hey, we have. Shaquem Griffin, who from from Lyle Beard's UCF team, who played with one arm. Didn't both play at UCF? Yeah, they both did. But she got started at UCF. Yep. And they had one guy playing with with one arm basically. So, oh no, it was one arm and a guy had didn't have a hand. He didn't. He didn't have. A, he didn't have a hand. That's what it is. That the fact he, that you can play defensive end, end without a hand is remarkable. Yeah. Probably play linebacker, but either way, it's like a it's that hybrid where you can put him down or he can play out three, four outside linebacker or DN. He's kind of like, yeah. He's not undersized, but in what he's undersized, he matches with heart and yeah. determination. I wanted that. Kid. I'll take him any day of the week. Like, I'll take an undersized guy over a uh, talent every day of the week. Absolutely. Like, there's a reason that I wanted him. Couple years ago, Jalen Smith, even though he had the injury, like there's a reason I wanted those guys in Tennessee. Like those guys are, those guys are incredible talent, and they they have a, a massive amount of heart. So in case since Ian had to step out for a minute, we've just been kind of bouncing around the NFL. We talked about the Aaron Rodgers deal. We kind of got into a little bit of receivers and then morphed that into a, 
quarterback conversation, and now we're just kind of somehow we ended up with the Giants, and so there hasn't been a whole lot of direction today, but just kind of bouncing around and just kind of the news going on and. Uh, well, we, t- well we, we, we got to New Orleans because we were talking about yeah. Teddy Bridgewater going to New Orleans. And That's that a big was- deal, in my opinion, because, say, always the problem in New Orleans is if Drew Brees gets hurt, which, anyways, their defense has always been a problem with Drew Brees, throw 4,000 yards, but not win six games. So, with Teddy Bridgewater, I saw a lot of it because there was Cowboys fans on my Twitter feed. Cowboys fan here, so. A lot of them were like, oh, I wish he was our backup. Teddy Bridgewater does not work as a backup when you have a quarterback that's 24 years old. He worked for a backup of a 40-year-old. He should be a starter in this league, in my opinion. Should be, but I, I think too. I think what they're planning with that is that they're going to extend him after the season, and instead of drafting a quarterback after Breeze, they're just going to make it be him. Well, Bridgewater may not want to extend because he's already 25, and why does he want to sit for two more years? He was the starting quarterback in Minnesota, solidified before he got hurt. They weren't going to draft a guy behind him. They were gonna, he went to the playoffs. They were going to keep developing him. I get what you're saying. And if the Saints are smart, the Saints are going to try to do that. But what happens if Drew Brees decides that, you know, it's that whole, like, the Patriots and Jimmy G situation. What happened? Yeah. What happened? And I'm not saying Bridgewater's as good as Jimmy G. I've only seen Jimmy G play a couple times. I have a whole season of Teddy Bridgewater. Well, a couple of seasons of Teddy Bridgewater. What happens if you sign him to two years and then Breeze is just like, eh, I want to play till I'm 42. Yeah, exactly. Because Breeze ain't out here getting molly yeah, He could. He hasn't been beat up like that. But for Teddy, Teddy didn't get cut in New York because Teddy wasn't good. Teddy got cut because they decided Darnold's their starter and they didn't want a guy who can start to be behind him. They didn't want that drama. They're like, hey, Josh McCown will wave his hair the same way at the same time as Sam Darnold for the whole season. Josh McCown is that guy. And this is why Josh McCown, I make a joke about the McCowns always having a job, but there's a reason Josh McCown keeps getting jobs. Because he's solid. Because he's solid, and once he's named the backup, he will do everything in his power to make that starter the best they can be. I have no disrespect to Josh McCown. Ultimate team player. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater's young enough to where Teddy Bridgewater ain't like um Teddy Bridgewater wouldn't be a problem, but Teddy's gonna push Darnold to try to take his job, which he should. Yeah. So it was good for the Jets and seeing what Bridgewater was worth and then trading him uh-huh. and they traded him to a good situation too. Right. I mean I don't blame I wouldn't blame Teddy for wanting to start, he deserves it, but it's just a matter of being in the right fit, really. Right, and I'm not sure that at this point in the season, there's not really a place for Teddy to step in and start anyways. Now, next year, that's when he's going to have to look at his options and say, okay. Say the Saints don't draft him or don't extend him. I could see maybe next year if, if Jacksonville gets tired of Bortles, that might happen. Yeah, I've got a good It'd be like the Minnesota situation he was in. You have an above average to really. I don't know how good Teddy Bridgewater is. I don't. I don't think he's average. I know he's small. I'll just say this: I want him. No, I want no parts of him being in the NFC West or in the AFC South. I mean, he's absolutely a starter, and I think he's better than Tyrod. I think he's better than Tyrod. I think he's just as good. As he was way better in college. He was better in college than Tyrod. I think he has a better skill set. Um, I, I think I, he can be. I don't. And I'm not saying he's much better than Tyrod. Right. I'm just saying, from what I saw in Minnesota that one year, I think he's in like an inch above Tyrod, not in height. 
right? And I and I like Tyrod. Like Tyrod is a, but I don't think Tyrod's a franchise quarterback. I think Bridgewater can no. be. Now, do I think? Just like I never thought Alex Smith was your franchise quarterback, but if you had to have Alex Smith for three years, like in Kansas City, you can make the playoffs. You can have a chance to win playoff games. I just think that I haven't seen enough to know what Bridgewater's ceiling is. I think Tyrod's ceiling is I can start for you, get you to the playoffs, so, but I'm not winning you a Super Bowl unless we have a world-class defense. So where do you think would be the better fit for him? I, I've been trying to stay? think. Um, San Diego, Philip Rivers I mean, San Diego's an option. Alex Smith can't play forever, so I think there'll be a QB opening in Washington. Though I wouldn't want to... If I'm him, I don't want to go play for Washington unless they fire Jay Gruden. And I really don't want to play for Dan Snyder because that team is always doing crazy stuff like giving Alan Hainsworth a bunch of money. Giants would be a lot retired. That could be a fit. I, that's, and that's the thing. I don't know how... I don't think there's great quarterbacks coming out of this next draft. I don't think they're bad. I don't know if any... This is the one year going in to college football that there's literally not one guy that stands out to me for the next year's draft. Yeah, they're, they're all just kind of dudes, right? So you have like Will Greer, you have the guy from Oregon, Bear. Not, not even quarterback. I'm just talking about all the like all the way through. Really, the only standout player in all of college football that I'm keeping my eye on this year is Joey Bosa's brother. But I also think that if we give it time, I think we will we'll, we'll see that player, right? But it's, but like you said, yeah. at the beginning of the season, usually we have an idea. And I disagree with you. There's one player, Bryce Love out of Stanford. Ooh, yeah. I he's think on he's, that, he's on that fringe. I think he's on the fringe of like this year we're gonna how stupid good that guy. Can be. Uh, another one I could see being on that fringe too, though, is probably is. Uh, I like to see him. I'm a, I want to see him without Barkley. Yeah. And they lost the receiver, too. I don't that's remember the name, That's the name I was thinking of. There's no Barkley going in a season where you're like, okay, he's going to be a top five pick. Yeah, like that guy could win the Heisman from yeah. day one. Or Zeke. Or, 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 or Zeke. Yeah. yeah Zeke, Zeke was that guy at Ohio State where, like, after his freshman year, you were like, that's a guy. That's the dude right there. there. Yeah. Henry at Alabama. Yeah. Here. I mean, there's Marcus, Mar- Mar- Marcus Mariota and uh, Jameis. You knew they were going one two no matter what. Yeah, and you knew you knew they were going to be in the Heisman discussion and probably go to the playoffs wherever this wherever we whatever we want to say about Jameis in college. Jameis was that dude. Like after his freshman, when you win the Heisman your freshman year, yeah, he's a red shirt, right? But you won that Heisman your freshman year, it's like okay, we can see the talent there. Now the problem with Jameis is he got exposed his second year in the, in the NFL with his decision making because Jameis has so much God-given physical ability and talent and can and he's really, he can really read the playbook. But his problem in football seems to be his problem in life: decision making. You have it all up here. You're the, you, you have anyone, have y'all, y'all you guys ever known somebody that was really really smart? It's kind of starting to sound like me. But then sometimes they just make really bad decisions. And so then you're... Like, Johnny Manziel yeah, is a smart like, kid. Like, they're not a bad person. They situ- just make bad Situational decision-making decision is what I there would call it. There you go. It. Yeah. I don't know why I'm sitting down so low. I'm sorry, uh, 12-ounce TV. It just got real comfortable on this couch. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like... And so going back to Teddy Bridgewater, because we got off topic a little, which is fine. That's what we do here. I'm trying to think of another place he could fit. Because it looks like Chicago's got their quarterback. Detroit's got Stafford. Minnesota's got Cousins. Honestly, this is going to be the year that decides. Because if Kirk Cousins doesn't play well this year with that stacked team, 
I think Minnesota fans are going to be like, ooh, man, I kind of wish we could have kept Bridgewater. But, you know, they had like eight quarterbacks on their roster. You know, they had Bridgewater. I don't think that's going to be a problem, though, but I can the, see the, if it is. I have no faith in Kirk Cousins whatsoever. I agree, but the problem with that, you can't get rid of him. You're already paying him too much money. Yeah, and he's not trash. Like, Kirk yeah. Cousins isn't a bad quarterback. He's just he's, I think he's not succeed. worth that money. I can tell you that right now. Lowbeer will like what I'm about to tell you, but I think he'll succeed this year because he actually has – he's never really had talent. He has a running game behind him. Yeah, he's never really had talent in Washington. And he has. And he has. Really? Because he had he Deshaun to... Watson and Pierre Garçon on the Deshaun same roster. Jackson. Do what? Deshaun Jackson. The... Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Jackson, yes, Deshaun Jackson. Because he definitely did not have Deshaun Watson at receiver. <laughs> you are he would have won the Super Bowl. What's funny? What's but funny? I, I want to say hey. right after RG3 left, he did have talent on that offense. Now, last year was different. And he had Alfred Morris. No, Alfred Morris was a rookie with RG3. But yeah, then... and then he went to Dallas. But what I'm talking about, when he was a full-time, it was his team, everybody started calling him, quote-unquote, elite. He didn't have any talent around him. The he last was... two years, he hasn't had any talent? Other than Jordan Reed. And Pierre Garçon before last year. Pierre Garçon was there two years ago. And so Jordan you're going to be elite quarterback with just Pierre Garçon? I'm saying if you throw for 4,000 yards, you obviously have people that can catch the ball. My thing with Kirk Cousins is his numbers have never translated into wins. I'm not saying last year. Last year, and the other thing, too, is I'm going to give Kirk Cousins the benefit of the doubt because he plays for one of three. There's at least three franchises in this league, four if I count the Browns. There's four franchises here that if you play for and you're terrible, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. And these are those four teams. And this is how their organizations are run. The Washington R's, the Miami Dolphins, the New York Jets, and the Cleveland Browns. Those are four organizationally very badly run franchises. If you go to Minnesota's a good Minnesota's a good organization. I think. So I think he'll be okay. I'm not gonna judge him based on that travesty that Dan Snyder has in Washington. I just feel like in Minnesota he has the better the better team around him because he's got Stephon Diggs. He's got Dalvin Cook. He's got <laughs> That's why hey Hefe, that's why he's so quiet because he was eating earlier and I muted him. Sorry. Has he been muted the whole show? Hopefully I was talking loud enough for that to pick they me up. I could hear earlier. you. Okay, you were good. making waves. I was just trying to figure out why you weren't so loud. Okay. Well, That's anyway, in Minnesota, he has Dalvin Cook, Stephon Diggs, and if he stays healthy, uh, Rudolph. I mean. I know he has better talent. That's not my point. Yeah, and he's got a stellar defense on the other side of the ball. So. My point. That you're, y'all are making my point. Because if he doesn't succeed this year, it's going to tell you everything you need to know about your Cousins. I don't think he's going to not succeed, but I think they're going to look at him and be like, uh, this dude was worth quarterback money, but not. Did they pay $28 million for Kirk Cousins? For real? I mean, and now, don't get me wrong. Kirk Cousins, hey, man, good job getting your money, bro. Because that dude, that dude is set for life. If Kirk Cousins has good spending habits, this is Kirk true. Cousins could retire tomorrow and be set for life. So, he used his leverage perfectly. I have nothing against Kirk Cousins, the person or anything. I just have never seen anything that has shown me he's an elite quarterback. And I'm not saying he's trash. I will say that we... But he may not have to be with that team. Do you think he's the best of the Michigan State quarterbacks, though? Is that a question? Yeah, I mean, yeah. (laughs) But it's not like there's a lot of competition there. It's Drew Stanton and Connor Cook. True. Brian Hoyer, no. and, yes, 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 and Brian Hoyer. Oh, yeah, that's God, great competition. God, he is awful. That's like saying, 
What would be a good comp to that? That's like... Saying is Ryan Mount the best Arkansas quarterback ever? As far as pro? Yeah. Be, yeah. Or, or, or like, the better pro that, That's saying Lamar Jackson's the best of Bobby Petrino's quarterbacks that went to the NFL. Well, it's him and Ryan Brom and Ryan Mallett. Or Brian Brom or whatever dude's name. Yeah. Was. Right? So it's... It, it's... Yes, Kirk Cousins, you are the best player on the JV squad. I have a better... But he's not... Yeah. The best Alabama quarterback. Yes, that's be. a great comparison. Hey, yeah. There's Since only Saban one. got there, you yeah. can't bring up Joe Namath. Even yeah. though Joe Namath has a losing career record and has more interceptions I swear. and touchdowns. And, he has, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I had so, to throw that in there. Anytime you tell Jesse anything, you got to make sure there's going to be a history story behind it. <laughs> like the other day, we were talking about uh, Notre Dame qu- quarterbacks. <laughs> you're going to go, oh, nobody. And then you're going to throw out probably the, arguably the GOAT. <laughs> yeah, because uh, like Joe Montana. <laughs> so this is like, true. But it doesn't, it doesn't dismay y'all's points because obviously, like, we know that Alabama quarterbacks, I mean, the second best quarterback in Alabama would have been Forrest Gump if they would have let him take the ball under center, right? Oh, my God. So, am I wrong? Brody no. Coyle. Like, Alabama's got <laughs> right. terrible quarterbacks. There's one thing I do want to get into before I step out here in about 15 minutes, but our top five storylines nationally in college football. My first would be, obviously, is what's going on. Oh, first off, did anybody see all the stuff from Zach? Uh, the yes. Is I, he not crazy? The dude is on, insane. I had to mute him on Twitter. They kept coming across my timeline too. Probably because like, the scout team, the scout team, team. Retre- retweeting everything, and I got to reading some of it, and then I listened to scout team show last night, and I was like, "This guy doesn't get it at all." Shoving his kids into the national spotlight, like, "Oh, I'm a dad of the year." Blah 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 blah. Shut up. And then saying that Nobody. his kids are affected by it. it didn't make any sense. But then people want to try to say that he wasn't guilty of anything. You're hurting He's your... He's showing his... this showing more, more and more so that he is. And then people are defending him. And I'm like, I'm never going to defend someone that's even accused of it until no. I get the facts. And you want to throw your kids into it and say you're dad of the year or whatever. And then you're going to trash their mom in national spotlight. Man, get out of here. There's just so much that we could... I'm so sick of that, dude. Because my, my thing is... Is so you got guys that do a lot of that spouting on Twitter. Usually, the guys that are innocent sit back and let things play out, and then let the people that are in charge of making those decisions play it out. But the it's it's there's an old saying: if you throw a rocket through a pile of dogs, which one got hit? The one that barked, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will tell you one thing about people that are abusive or uh, controlling. They always want to make themselves sound like the victim like it's the, the person that gets beach fault it's their fault they made me do it nah bruh you crazy and when you find out you crazy you want to try and make excuses nah bruh you are crazy you beat your wife go home never get a job in the NCAA football bye I never want to freaking hear your name ever again one more point about him without the domestic violence allegations he shouldn't have had a job anyways just go look at all the other stuff it's not just that that's the most important one and you don't beat women, and we hashtag respect women. I'll keep posting it on Twitter for you idiots out there. But this dude went to a strip club as a coach. Like, listen, I'm not saying it's the worst thing in the world. Um, he also has a, he also didn't report a uh, 
in Ohio, they call it an operate uh, operating vehicle while intoxicated, something like that. It's our DWI in Argus, all right? Yeah, yeah. That happened that Urban Meyer, now I believe Urban maybe didn't know about that one at all. That's the one I'll give Urban. Anything else, right? But this isn't about Urban. That he has, I don't, just go look at all the transgressions. It like like the the, the the penis pic that got sent out. Like, bro, come on, dude. Like, um, the reason you got fired is because you broke a no contact order, right? So this dude, like, it's not like, oh, some girl one time accused me of hitting her and I'm totally innocent. It's like, bro, we got like, we have waves records. and waves of yeah. things that you've done, like, like. Shelly Shelly Meyer talking about how she's worried about Zach's drinking and how he becomes extremely violent when he drinks and alcohol just seems to be at at the forefront of all every single thing and so yeah I just there's just certain th- there's just things you don't do as a coach especially college when you're supposed to lead young kids and be an example for those kids you do not do stuff like that you don't do stuff like that anyway, but especially when you're in a at a position where you're supposed to look out and 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 be a father figure of sorts to kids coming out of high school. Like you just don't do that. Yeah. I that don't. just sets a bad example. It shows that you're above like you know how you get people that you that view themselves above the law. Yep. And every university ha- should have certain standards. And when you're allowing that, that's why this whole like Arkansas contingent of fans that wanted to keep Petrino. It's like at the end of the day, he's the head coach of the football program. He's held to a higher standard. Yep. It's whether you think that cheating on your wife is a big deal or not. First off, you getting caught cheating. How am I, how am I going to trust you to not let you, to not let your playbook get lost and the other team get it if I can't trust you to keep your own personal business out of the national media spotlight, right? Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm I'm done talking about Urban. I'm done unless except for football related, and I'm done talking about Zach Smith. Yeah, I agree. Let's uh, and I'm and the good thing I'm not upset you brought it up, but the uh, hashtag stop giving this man the lie today. Mm-hmm. All right, what's what's our, what's our next storyline? Okay. uh... Well, it's not really Alabama starting quarterback, maybe. <laughs> well, I kind of already figured who that's. I mean, we already know who that's going to be because not know, but feeling because if it was Jalen, he would have already done it. I think. Yeah, I kind of. He really agree. hasn't even talked to Jalen from Jalen's. Uh, I'm just surprised that he hasn't transferred. Because Saban won't let him. So stupid. No, when I say Saban won't let him, like he still has this feeling like he can still win the job, and you're not gonna leave Alabama if you think you can still win the job. Right. And Saban's not gonna select it until after week one, and then you have to wait a year. Even if you can transfer, you're gonna have to wait a year. Just another reason why Saban is just the biggest slime ball. And slime ball. He's doing what's best for his program because he doesn't. I, I think that if he really thought that that Tua kid, I'm never going to try to pronounce that kid's title. No. But if he really thought that dude was head and shoulders above Jalen, I think he would have let Jalen go. I think he knows that he has two quarterbacks that he's really not completely sold on either. So it's like, cause this is Saban's thinking. Hey, and, and I'm not talking about them not allowing a transfer in the conference, whatever. I mean, Saban's a tyrant. We know that. That's his coaching style. Yeah. It works for him. His thing is, if Tua's not good enough, I need Jalen here. Not because mm-hmm. Jalen's such a great quarterback, but because Jalen wins. Yeah. But he's also saying, I, I, I think Saban, 
I think Saban's in that crossroads, and this is, I give him the benefit of the doubt just in this situation where he's just like, I don't know. Because remember, he had the same thing with Coker and Blake Sims. Okay, I'll ask you this question. I agree. If he was an NFL coach and these were two NFL quarterbacks that could start anywhere, and he did this with anybody blinking eyes. Kind of like what it would have been with Darnold and, and Teddy Bridgewater had he stayed. Would anybody blink in the NFL eye? because at least the backup can be like, hey, at least I'm still getting paid. No, but what I'm saying is people only care in college because he only has a certain window. Well, in the pros, it's different to an extent because like, I can just leave after the year, go wherever I want to go. And not have to worry about transfer rules and or in college. You don't have so much eligibility. That's what, I'm, they, that's but, what I'm getting at. But remember, at. they changed it. That's what I'm getting at. If if it had nothing to do with eligibility and you had a prolonged career, oh, nobody no would one, care. No one would care that Saban was waiting. It's just the fact that now he can't transfer. Everybody's up in arms about, it, which I agree. But Jalen's on an NFL prospect anyway, so that's the problem. That's not what I'm trying to get at. But it, <laughs> I don't know what you're getting at. You're not making. You're not convincing me. What I'm getting at is fans. I'm not saying you or me or you or anybody in radio. I'm saying fans are getting on arms about so saving. Fair, unfair. Yeah, the unfair, unfair talk is because he's a college athlete and the coach is controlling his decisions. And Saban knows that. Saban doesn't care. I'm tired he, of us calling these college players kids. Well, they are kids. No, Most not. of them. No, they're not. Because at 18 years old, you can go to Iraq and die for your country. And then anything that you do over there, you get treated like a man. Fair enough. They're, they're adults. Now, pause, however. I do understand the being away from the home at the first time and all this. Right? But I had this conversation with someone the other day. And it blows my mind, like, because they're playing college football. You know what? I don't want to have this conversation. It's going to go the wrong way. I, I agree with what you're saying. I was going to say something that was going to... I'm going to leave that alone. But yes, um, I think that you're right. In in the NFL, we don't care because they're making money. And because if that happens at 22 in the NFL, you have plenty of opportunities where in college, the coach is a controlling factor. That's that's all I was getting. Yeah, I I, I get that. Yep. Okay. We've been on for almost an hour, just mind you. Oh, that's fine because there's things up on our video feed that if you want to go to 12 onsportsradiocom you can click on the book like a pro tab and book your tea times or you can click on the Amazon link and get a discount from 12 onsportsradiocom there I paid the bills let's go there you go alright <laughs> <laughs> so that, that really all we have to do to pay the bills we don't have to actually go to a commercial break I mean it, it's safe day I'm still doing a promo I mean we can go to commercial here in a minute but Last bit of NFL thing for me is the uh, Brett Hundley trade to uh, Seattle. Don't care, he's garbage. Yeah, every, actually, he every, really well in the pre. Well, we don't care about preseason. This is the this is the thing. We like, oh, he's trash. But it, then I'm like, he played really well <laughs> against Pittsburgh, and I'm like, wait a minute, it's preseason. We don't care about preseason. It's like the circular reasoning. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> no, I, was, I was thinking I, of Deshaun Kaiser. Brent Hundley's actually not that bad. Yeah, Hundley's yeah, he, actually he was decent. Pretty bad last year. They won a couple games with him at quarterback, bro. Yeah. They were bad. Well, it's it's also Brett Hundley trying to run Aaron Rodgers' offense. Mm-hmm. You you can see where Aaron, how much work Aaron Rodgers and why he needs to get paid what he's getting paid is. You see what he has. I'm not surprised that he got traded though, because I, I I'm honestly more surprised that it took this long. Well, wait a minute, who's Green Bay's other backup? I don't know. Kaiser. Uh, hold up. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let me put some facts up. Anyway, <laughs> Deshaun Kaiser might have been the worst quarterback 
no, let me take that back. Deshaun Kaiser and Blaine Gabbert were the worst two quarterbacks in the NFL last year. And you kept Deshaun Kaiser? Man, you better hope Aaron Rodgers winning guys hey. to steal place putting his collarbone. Hey, you remember what you said about coaches on the hot seat, right? He'd been on the hot seat, in my opinion. Hey, McCarthy? Mm-hmm. My thing with McCarthy is he hasn't put a good defense around Aaron Rodgers in a long time. In his defense, he did go to an AFC Championship game, and well, the NFC Championship game, and then Seattle came back and beat him. Well, I guess that's also on McCarthy. Yeah, they about to get him up out of there. <laughs> and you and I was thinking about it the other day, either yesterday or whatever. One that we completely forgot about when we put coaches on the hot seat, Dirk Cutter in Tampa. Well, because you went on an AFC AFC South rant and we didn't have time. That's I NFC, totally NFC South. No, you yeah, went yeah, on we an AFC, AFC South rant yesterday. And then you went on an AFC rant, so we never got to the NFC South. My brother from Fair another enough. mother. No, it's all good. I'm just giving you a hard time. Yes, Dick Cutter is on. I thought he was gone last year. Like <laughs> they, they brought him in. To they keep, got rid of Lovey Smith for that, dude. Just so that Jameis would stay with a coach. And Jameis has done nothing. He hasn't made him any better. No, he has not. And he hasn't gotten to where he get gotten to him to where he'll stop doing stupid stuff. Yeah, I mean, I can't really argue. Like, whenever you talk about Jameis doing dumb stuff, it's the one thing that I'm never going to argue with you about because, like, Jameis doesn't give me any like when you've got Chris Carter on national TV who is like pro African American athlete most of the time saying that they would cut that he would cut Jameis Winston. I mean, Jameis Winston's not going to have any supporters left. Mm-hmm. Big Ben was that way with me. At the second allegation, I was ready to be like, he, Big, Big Ben is fortunate that no charges were ever brought and that he cleaned his act up after that. Because let me tell you something. The Roonies were about to run Ben out of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And they're about to do the same thing in Tampa. And no, no one's going to care because Tampa's got that one Super Bowl mm-hmm. um, thanks to a team that Dungy built. Yep. Um, one of, in my opinion, one of the most underrated coaches ever. Tony Dungy? Yes. I don't know how great of an actual X and O's coach he is, but he's really, really smart, and he's like one of the greatest human beings mm-hmm. to ever grace an NFL sideline. Like him and Harm Edwards. Like, just guys that, like, I would want my I would want my son to go hang out with Tony Dungy. And just, just uh, if my son was a football player, go to a Tony Dungy camp. Mm-hmm. Don't even tell me what you learned about football when you come back. Tell right. me what you learned about life. Harm Edwards, same way. I, I, I'm blind, but is that what we just promote? What am I looking at? That's what we look like live. I just wanted to see. Oh, I look awesome. This guy looks like a cartoon character. I just had to show well, them dude, that my name you is. You have on skinny sweatpants. You curl up like a cat during the show. <laughs> I'm just comfortable, bro. I ain't mad at you. Hey, hey, I get comfortable. Get comfortable when you get roasted later. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I won't be here, so this will be interesting. But, hey, we're going to have to take a commercial break so I can step out and go get my daughter. That's why I got to leave. I got to go get her from school. So, we'll I'll let y'all. It's the producer man. Bar, she peacing out. Commercial break. Bye.
interviews, special guests, and the recap of the week's news and headlines and box scores and results. It's Beck's Work Week in Review live on 12 Ounce Sports Radio every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Brought to you by Rally House, your city, your style, show your colors. Hey guys, it's Ian here from Rehab Sports Guys. You can now book tea times on 12 Ounce Sports Radio. Just go to 12OunceSportsRadio.com and scroll to the bottom of any page in there. There you'll see a banner that says, Book Like a Pro. Click the banner, enter your course, or enter a zip code. Then select a tea time of your choice. You'll get 50% off each time you book through 12 Ounce. So book your next round at 12OnSportsRadio.com. 1-2-O-Z-SportsRadio.com. Hey, who likes to go to concerts? Who likes to go to games? I know I do. And now you can buy event tickets on 12OnSportsRadio.com. Just go up to the menu page and look for the event tickets tab and sign up today. And you can search by your zip code or we use your geolocation. You get $20 off your first purchase. Only on 12OnSportsRadio.com. Oh. 12-Ounce Sports Radio. Quench your sports thirst. Hey, wait. Here on 12-Ounce Sports Radio, listen to Rehab Sports Guys. Make sure you check out Scout Team Radio Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Make sure you look on the calendar for August 27th when Loud Sports America will be coming to 12 Ounce Sports Radio daily. That is from the Scout Team Radio. Rehab Sports Guys, live on 12OunceSportsRadio.com. That's 1-2-O-Z-SportsRadio.com. Let's go. top fives this week and we're gonna tee it off you can now book tea times on 12 ounce sports radio just go to 12 ounce and scroll to the bottom of any page and there you will see a banner that says book like a pro click the banner enter your course or enter your zip code you will get 50 percent off each time you buy through 12 ounce sports radio so this top five man's going to do his thing so the villain's in charge of the ones and twos now 
We're going to see how this goes this time. Um, so we, we, we're going to get into a little more college football or we want to do baseball. What are we going to do this time? We'll do some top five. Well, we have to do the rehab, uh, the rehound. We have to do the rehab roundtable at one point, yeah. at some point, and um, probably best saving that for the last thirty minutes. We can do it. And so, I don't know if there's really anything else. Well, I, I, I have a conversation about college football I want to have. Seven. Um, you're picking Michigan to win the Big Ten, right? Uh huh. All right, and we're we're both picking Alabama to win the SEC. Like, overall, right? They're going to win the SEC West and win the SEC. Right. So, Nick Saban is obviously the coach of Alabama. Jim Harbaugh is the coach of Michigan. Mm-hmm. So, on Fox Sports 1, there is a conversation that's been going on, it seemed, seemingly for the past week, between Joel Platt and <laughs> Get Bayless, about who's the better overall coach, Saban or Harbaugh? Saban. Okay. I was... Because... Five and, national and, championships. Yeah, five national championships. How coach. many undefeated seasons? what? Five national championships and several undefeated seasons. How many games has he lost since 2000? Not many. He's only lost four games, his, his four home games his entire tenure. Exactly. So Skip brings up these eight times he's given up 40 points. There's only like three programs, Ohio State being one of them, that have given up. But Saban's four and four in those games. Right. Um, and we, and we talked about this the other day about so Saban's got five national championship games, and he's been to six. No, I'm sorry. Saban has five national championships at Alabama. Right. He has six national titles. Because he won one at LSU. He won one at LSU, and then he lost the one to Clemson the year after he beat Clemson, right? So in the rematch, he loses. But he's been to, what, the last three national title games? Yeah. So, and then he won... Three out of four his early in his tenure. And I never thought that was even a question. Now, you're talking about X's and O's and all that hardball. But so Skip likes to bring up the NFL comparison. Mm-hmm. Like Saban was there two years and he went nine and seven his first year and then like six and ten and got fired or left or quit. I don't remember which one. And then Harbaugh had a really good run in San Francisco. Yeah. Harbaugh has one NFC championship. That's his only title he's ever won. Now, don't get me wrong. He turned around San Diego. He Stanford. He, no, he was in San Diego first. The, the University of San Diego. Okay. Or San Diego University, whichever one. He turned that program around. Then he turned around Stanford. And then he brought the 49ers back there for a while before they got rid of him. And he, But he hasn't turned around Michigan yet. Now, fair, fair point that Skip says. He hasn't had a quarterback. He's got one this year. I don't think, first off, I don't like to compare guys. It's like it's like comparing college coaches and then bringing up Barry Switzer's NFL success. Like, that doesn't count. Like, as college football coaches, because what is Harbaugh? Harbaugh is kind of the hybrid because he's known for his success. Right. But really, if you think about it, who was a better college, who, who had more success as a college coach? Chip Kelly or Jim Harbaugh? I'd say Chip probably did. Yeah, Chip's been to a national championship. Chip's been better in the Pac-12. Harbaugh has yet to win a division in college football. He didn't win the division in the Pac-12. He didn't win the division in the Big Ten, and he's never won the Pac-12 or the Big Ten. Fair enough. But he I, had I, Andrew Luck. 
Yeah, but I think too that I think he's got maybe a slightly better team now to be able to compete with it. Before he really didn't like when he took the job the first couple of years at Michigan, he really didn't have the type of team that he needed to win with because right. he still had the leftovers from uh, Brady Hope. Yeah. And none of this is a knock on Jim Harbaugh. Like, saying that you're not better than maybe soon to be arguably one of the greatest one or two, th- one, two or three best college football coaches of all time is not a knock. Right. Like, I think this is, Urban yeah. Myers had a better college career than Jim Harbaugh. Right. He's got three national championships. I do think, though, that this is the year that that Michigan gets over the hump, and I really think that this could be the year that really makes Harbaugh's uh, legitimacy at Michigan a thing. Because I or think this is the team. If he doesn't win, maybe. Do Do the Michigan faithful who are nutty in their own right, just like every other college fan base is, because it's mm-hmm. college sports. And because, I mean, yeah, I know Detroit's in Michigan, but Michigan football is Michigan right now. The Tigers aren't any good. The Red Wings aren't any good. The Pistons aren't any good. And the Lions are mediocre, right? And Michigan State's always been kind of the, I don't want to say the little brother, but it's the the other team. Mm -hmm. Like, unless you're talking about Tom Izzo or Magic Johnson, what are we we really talking about when it comes to Michigan? You got Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard. I mean, Michigan and Michigan football is funny because and even Michigan basketball has been good. Well, yeah, you had the five, you had the five, five. They've been to two national championship games in the last couple of years. Jim Beeline's done a great job there. John Beeline. But you go into Michigan, and when you ask, what do you think about it's Michigan football? Mm -hmm. Because honestly, Urban, really to me, it's saving Urban Meyer, and then you could even go Dabo Sweeney at this point. I mean, Harbaugh, and this is not saying Harbaugh can't coach and he's not a good coach. This is his first really top of the line with what you would call program that he's been in charge of in college. Right. Because Stanford wasn't, Stanford's not a powerhouse program. They've just been really good the last 10 years. And so. I agree. Yeah, I just think that was a crazy conversation that they were having and I think. It's a type of conversation you would expect from Skip Bayless. Yeah, like, it, 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 it feeds into the fact that he says things to be a contrarian, like or, or people just have this, we hate the SEC so much. And SEC fans don't help that, but I mean... It's like Ian said on during our uh, our 12-ounce uh, thread that we had going last night. Shout out to uh, Golden Mike and and our Michigan friend on Twitter. I cannot remember her name at the, at the moment. But, uh, and Jimmy and... Uh, From What's Up, What's Up Sports. And Steve, not Steve... Steve, from, is it Steve and Hood from that Boston show? Oh, I'm not sure. Man. It's it's one. It's I cannot remember his name. Sorry, my man. I forgot your name for the second. But uh, it's like we were saying in that thread last night, and Ian said it because you know the the SEC has barely barely less national championships than the Big Ten does, and the SEC only became a thing in like the 90s. So that tells you how much ground that 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 the SEC as a conference has made up in just a short amount of time. Because you have Alabama that's won multiple. You've had LSU win one. You've had Auburn win one. You've had Florida win multiple. Uh, who 
Oh, am I missing? Tennessee won the first Tennessee BCS won title. Yep. So, so since, since the BCS became a thing, Tennessee won a national title. LSU won two national titles. Mm-hmm. LSU lost another one to Alabama. Mm-hmm. Alabama's won five. Georgia's been to a national title game. Auburn's won one and lost one. Auburn actually went undefeated in 2004 and didn't get a chance to play for the national title game. And I think that was USC-Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. That game shouldn't have happened. Oklahoma shouldn't have been there. Right, because in o- Oklahoma, it was one of those weird years. Um, and not only wrong, LSU shouldn't have been in the game against Alabama. But they, in 2007. Yes. and they But they but what did they do? They went and like beat, won the national title. Mm-hmm. And so, is there an... And then everyone brings up that ESPN favors the SEC because of the, the network. But at the same time, go look at the players from Alabama and LSU to get drafted. They say that Alabama carries this conference. And they yes, do. They do. But they had like the rest of the conference is a bunch of scrubs, right? That they also act like that there wasn't a year that Arkansas, LSU, and Alabama were ranked one, two, three. Of course, not in that order. It was Alabama. It was LSU, Alabama, and Arkansas. I think. Or maybe, no, Bama was ranked one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that year. And I think that was the year that Alabama LSU played for the national title. And so the problem is, is that the Big Ten was routinely getting, going to these bowl games against the SEC and just getting the brakes beat off of them. And then the other arguments are like, well, their games are played in the South. And, and I'm like, well, that should make it easier to play football, right? And so just because the games are in SEC territory, they allot a certain amount of tickets for each team, people who don't know what they're yeah. talking about. So it's not, you're not getting 90% of the SEC in a stadium there. It's like, no, your teams weren't very good. And the SEC, the SEC also rans were out there beating the brakes off of the Big Ten back then. And you know, it, it's, I've said it before, the SEC exposes you as a team. It exposes, it exposes you as a team. It exposes you as a coach. I mean, it, it just has a way of exposing you because it's, it's such a such a dominant type of conference where if you aren't up to par, they're going to beat the brakes out of you, like any team in the conference, even the bad ones. Right. Like even the even the bottom tiers of the SEC, if you, uh, if you don't have it together that day, they will beat the brakes off of you. Like it, it's just, just just how it is. Look at Arkansas; they've done it. Arkansas's. Just, I'm, I'm an Arkansas fan. We're, we we all are on this show. And even I'll admit to, it, and even we anybody in Arkansas can admit to it. Like we haven't been great, but on, even on our bad day, even in our bad years, if you come in and think you're just gonna walk all over us, you got another thing coming. Like we we will have games where we just straight up beat the brakes out of people. Ask Texas. Ask Kansas State. Right. Ask Texas from the bowl from the Texas Bowl a few years back that we held them the neck to like two yards rushing. Like two. Yeah. Like, yeah, that that was that was nasty. And so like congratulations, Big Ten. You started finally beating some SEC teams and now they're like, now nah, we're the best conference. But it's like you take Illinois and Indiana and Purdue, which is in an, a an, an program at times. I mean the Purdue's not a bad program, but I mean our two worst programs in our conference really are Vanderbilt and Kentucky. And Kentucky is and Kentucky's been six, seven wins the last couple years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tennessee's been down, but historically, Tennessee's not been a bad football program. Neither has Florida, neither has Alabama, neither has Auburn. Even Ole Miss and Mississippi State have had South their Carolina. wins. South Carolina's been, 
were, were good under Spurrier. They were competitive before that. They were good under Lou Holtz. They're looking like they're going to be very good now. And so what, what happened is, is they scheduled... So they scheduled LSU versus Miami, right? And so when Miami, to me, is a better team, Miami's what the sec, probably the second best team in the ACC, right? Arguably, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, you got Clemson, them, Florida State, and Louisville. That's the top tier of that conference. You've got LSU, who probably isn't even the. So you would say Alabama's the best team in the conference. Georgia's the second best team. Probably South Carolina's third, and then well, I'm sorry, Auburn third. Then you got South Carolina. LSU might be the sixth best team in the conference. You're talking so, about this year? This year. Mm, I would say Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, maybe Florida. I would say Florida, fourth. And where would you put South Carolina? Better than LSU? Um, no, I wouldn't. South Carolina's. I don't think South Carolina's going to be better than LSU. Okay, I think, but my, I think they'll be about the same. My point is, my point is, you put LSU fifth in the conference, right? Yeah. Against the second best team in the ACC. So, so when Miami does beat LSU, and if they, and, or, or hopefully, so if Miami beats LSU, then the, the punters are going to be like, oh, you see, the SEC's overrated. Yeah. What happens when we play your? See, then we got Alabama playing Louisville. What right. happens when we beat the brace off Louisville? Oh, well, Louisville's not that good. Okay, well they have Petrino, who came from the SEC. Y'all were telling me how good Louisville's been the past two years. The ACC wants to tell me how great Petrino is. Then we got West Virginia, Tennessee. Tennessee's got a first-year head coach, so if they lose that game, they're going to be like, oh, that's, that's a Big 12 team just beat the SEC. But at the same time, you know, I can't really knock, El- knock Louisville for, lo- for losing to Alabama. I mean, because they aren't the first ones to be losing to Alabama like that. I right. Mean, but see, Alabama's been doing that to people for a very long time now. And it doesn't matter who it is. Washington. So, so – Right, so I think the more I think Auburn versus Washington would be the better, would be the better. Uh, my, my, you're making my point though. When the SEC's fifth best team loses to the best team in another conference, the SEC's overrated. But when one of your teams loses to our best team, well, of course they're supposed to lose. If Auburn beats Washington, they're like, well, the SEC's supposed to win. But if Auburn loses to Washington, like, oh, the Pac-12's bad. Like Washington is the favorite team this year in that conference. Auburn's the third best team in the SEC. I really hope Washington wins that game. So the SEC's the SEC's just in a lose lose, and I don't even care because and I'm this, not SEC above everybody, but I like to talk facts. And this is exactly what I was about to say. That's exactly what I was about to say. I'm not an SEC homer. I'm an Arkansas fan. I am not an SEC fan. But when facts come down to when it comes to facts down to facts. SEC's the best that there is. Yeah, and it's like your two best teams in your conference are Penn State and Ohio State, which are coached by former coaches in the SEC. You sent us your Big Big Ten coach. You couldn't coach in our conference. Hmm. Yeah. Now, people will, like I said, I cheated. I helped out the Big Ten people. They're going to bring up Les Miles, and they're also going to bring up Nick Saban. Well, Nick Saban and Les Miles didn't come to the SEC. and So before the advent of the spread so much, but – they weren't bringing Big Ten football to the SEC. They adapted to the way the SEC already played football. Mm-hmm. What, whereas when the SEC goes up there, and see, and now and see, the good thing about the Big Ten is they're, you've got programs like Ohio State that's not running that old smash mouth run, run, run. Ohio State's going to open it up. They're going to implement the spread because everyone's running the spread now. Can we just say it's, this is the first time we have seen a Ohio State team with a new quarterback and like – Last years. 10 years. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it, it's a guy not named Braxton Miller or JT Barrett. Right. And, you know, you say Cardell Jones, but he yeah. was there. And 
The guy was actually on NFL roster recently, which is surprising because he did all that off of three games. Mm-hmm. And so, and don't get me wrong, he was phenomenal in those three games, but Ohio State had so much stupid talent on that team. Because Urban Meyer, when Urban Meyer went to the Big Ten, he basically said, listen, this conference is going to have to get better at recruiting. And they have. Penn State's gotten better. Now you have the generational running back going to Penn State. And so, listen, I want all the conferences to be good. You know why? Because if it all the conferences are good, it makes college football, football, football better. Absolutely. I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not sitting here wanting the Big Ten to be trash. But, and I don't understand. And, and it's so regional, right? Because college football is regional for the most part, except for like now the conferences are like halfway across the country. Yeah. But it's this whole like we're better than you because we're from the south, and we're better than you because we're from the north, and it's like nah. all, all these dudes are gonna get scattered in the NFL anyways. If you, you got, it's like they say the Cowboys are a great example. They have an SEC quarterback and a Big Ten running back. You think them dudes care? No. Mm. You think Dak and Zeke care about that? And I'm sure they joke about it, but <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean. And I'm sure they have it's some like the, in the Pac-12 in their roster. It's like the analysts say, if you have talent, the NFL will find you. Yes. Like, it doesn't matter where you play. If you have talent, they will find you. Yes. They, I mean, Khalil Mack went to Buffalo. <laughs> All right. Tony Romo went to Eastern Illinois. J.J. Watt was a freaking tight end at Wisconsin. Yes. <laughs> like, Jason Peters was a tight end at Arkansas. They became right. a, a, a damn a, an all-pro Multi-pro. Multi-all-pro, probably Hall of Fame offensive lineman. Absolutely. So, so to your point, if you have talent, the NFL will find you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I, like, I, like you said, if teams get better recruiting and they get better players and make their teams better, I'm all for it. Because that just makes the product better and more enjoyable to watch. Because nobody wants to see... Nobody wants to see a team beat bottom feeders and and be these forty five to nothing, fifty six to nothing type games. Like that's not fun to watch. Like no, I want all these games. I like I want Washington and Auburn to be a very good game. I don't, and I'm not an Auburn fan, so I don't really, and I'm not a Gus Malzahn fan, so I don't really care who wins. And I and I picked Washington to win the Pac twelve, mm-hmm. unless I flip flopped in that. No, no, I picked Washington. and Stanford's my dark horse. I'm riding with uh, Browning from Washington. That, um, that could be a good pick. Could be. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, I mean I, that's, it wouldn't surprise me if USC won the conference because they just have them. They always have talent. Oh, did you hear that they're starting the freshman? I did. Um, I don't remember his name, but JT I, Daniels or something like that. Something like that. JT something or other. So he's getting the start. So, and then he's replacing Sam Darnold. Yeah. And Sam Darnold looks like. I mean, could he be the guy that breaks the? And it's not really a curse because Carson Palmer was a very good quarterback. They said the NFL. same thing about USC wide receivers, though. And then look at Juju, and then you looked at uh, Marquise Lee. Yeah, but they did have a lot of receivers. Robert Woods. Yeah, and then Mike Williams, like one of the you know, like eight guys in the league named Mike Williams. He was the Mike Williams, and then the, the Dwayne Jarretts. Not Dwayne Jarrett. That's the yeah, race. that was the Dwayne Jarrett. Yeah. I always get him mixed up with the uh, race car driver, dude. Um, Jeff Jarrett, or you know you're the wrestler Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> no, I don't know anything. You know, I don't know, I don't know damn wrestling. But uh, yeah, there there was that stigma with uh, USC quarterbacks and USC wide receivers that they were good college players, but they wouldn't be good in NFL. In the NFL, I think Juju kind of broke that last year. Uh, Adore Jackson kind of broke that last year with what he does. Sam Darnold on the way to breaking that this year. Yeah. So, uh, and that's a good thing. 
that's a good thing. I mean, I, I want, like I say, I don't want. Pat, after they get out of college, I hope you do well. So you don't want just them to don't do well, do well against us. I just don't do well against Arkansas. That makes sense. So. Like, that's all I care. Like, even in college, do well. Just don't, don't embarrass us. Like, that's all I care. <laughs> I'm not, when the, when it comes down to it, it's just a matter of fanship. It's not a matter of wishing bad on a player or nothing like that. But like I'm not gonna sit here out here and wish injuries on people and stuff and be like hateful and stuff to players. I'm just not gonna do that. Like I'm like to, I might say it to myself. Like I might just complain about it at, at, to a fault on it, like away from it. But I'm not gonna like drag players like. Like Arkansas, for example. I did not like the Allen brothers. But, you know, I'm not going to be sitting here on a, like, going on and on and on and on and on and, like, adding them and stuff and, like, talking crap to them and stuff. I'm not going to do all that. No. Like, I might talk about them. <laughs> all right. But I'm not going to, like, directly talk at them about that. Like, that. that's just... There's just certain lines you don't cross. Like, right. Like... You remember at uh, Arkansas when they, when the whole thing with Brandon Allen and somebody set his truck on fire? Yeah, like that's ridiculous. Like, part of me thinks that was crazy fan, but also part of me thinks that might be crazy ex-girlfriend too. So that's kind of like crazy ex-girlfriend territory too. Yeah, because I would understand it more if it was crazy ex-girlfriend. Crazy fan set someone's car on fire, like. That's just crazy. <laughs> we're called the Rehab Sports Guys, and we have a sports addiction, but we ain't out here setting people's cars on fire because they threw an intercept. Because Brandon Allen, like, threw a pass off the goalpost. Was that after the Toledo game? Yeah. Yeah. Like, all right, man, get over it. Like, and Toledo was like, that's Arkansas fans out knowing football. They thought, like, Toledo was trash. And, like, Toledo wasn't trash. We should have beat them because we're, we're a bigger program. But, mm-hmm. like... You go up there and have hey, your team play did, the match. We, Arkansas fans just better be glad Kareem Hunt wasn't playing in that game. Yeah. <laughs> they could have literally embarrassed us if they had him playing. Yeah, that would have been super bad. <laughs> that sound, that, that's, that's a movie. Super bad. That movie was... How, how, how funny. Well, I'm not going there. That's completely off topic. I'm not doing it. But, uh... Let's hit, let's hit this break and figure out what we're going to do next, and we will be right back. And now we are back on 12OunceSportsRadio.com. Sorry about that, guys. Did not have the audio on. Yeah, I might need that a little bit. So what's up, everybody? Rehab roundtable time. Well, we want, what what news do you got to get to on your side this time? Well, I'm going to go a little different. Cause usually I talk about like the Steelers and all that stuff, but I've talked about them enough on the regular show, and there's not a whole lot going on there. So uh, I'm going to talk about my Indians for a little bit in baseball. Go for it. I hadn't, I hadn't paid attention to much to them lately. Well, I mean, they're running away with the division. They're up like 13 or 14 games on Minnesota. Um they're currently playing the Twins right now. They're up 5-2. Jason Kipnis has continued his hot month of August. He's got a double, his 24th double of the year in his 13th home run. He's had a really bad year, but he's got a, he's, I think he's got like seven hits in his last like three or four games. So he's starting to... He's finally turning it back on, huh? Yeah, turning it back on at the right time. He's, this is like his second three RBI game in the last week. 
And so, but the bigger news out of Cleveland has really been the big news the entire season that despite Francisco Lindor having a great year, besides Jose, Jose Ramirez basically putting up an MVP-type season and Edwin Encarnacion um, with his low batting average still hitting 28 home runs and having 91 RBIs, that our bullpen has been shaky, to say the least. Mm-hmm. So, Cody Allen... Is our closer. I'm actually kind of surprised that y'all haven't picked up any waiver trade and made any waiver trades for bullpen. Well, we picked up two guys for our bullpen already. We picked up Zach Hand and we picked up uh, Simber. And Simber has been bad. Zach Hand's been pretty good. But Andrew Miller just went on the 10 day disabled list for the third time this season. Right. Um, so it's been, I think it was a knee, infl- knee inflammation one time and then it was hamstring the other. And now it's a shoulder issue. And so, obviously, Boston is 50-plus games over 500. They're the best team in baseball by far. We split with them last week, 2-2. So, not upset about that at all. But Cody Allen, once again, hasn't played well in the bullpen. Dan Otero's not pitching well. And Kluber's having another Cy Young-type season. We Uh, knew that was coming. Yeah, Trevor Bauer is... Played amazing, but he got a line drive off his ankle. He's He's hurt right now. He's hurt. He took a line drive off the ankle. He's expected back. Carlos Carrasco has been amazing since the All Star break. Um, Shane Bieber, Mm -hmm. like our throw in fifth starter, is actually like eight and two this year. A little Pluto, Pluto, Pluto. I can't pronounce his name. Um, He actually had a start wasted last night because we lost in the seventh inning. The bullpen gave up, but. The thing about the Indians for me is get healthy. Mm-hmm. We're winning our division. We're not going to have to play the wild card game. We're going to probably open up against Houston because it looks like it'll be Boston. Please beat them. It'll be Boston against the winner of it looks like New York and Oakland now. It looked like Seattle the whole year, and then Seattle kind of fell off, ironically, around the time that Robinson Cano came back. And so Oakland has been on a tear. So it'll be Oakland against the Yankees. It'll be Oakland and Yankees, and they'll play the winner. The winner of that will go play a series at Boston, and then we'll have to probably play at Houston. And while Houston doesn't seem to has been having as good of a year as last year, they're still second in the American League in wins, and they still have like a 228-run differential. So their players haven't played up to their potential, but my thing with them is if we can just hold their offense off, their bullpen hasn't been great this year, and... Their starting pitching is starting to fall off a little bit. So, Verlander was hot early, so was Garrett Cole. Right. They've both kind of come back down to earth. Zach Keuchel's having a so-so year. Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel. Who did I say? Zach Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel. I knew. He was a Razorback. Um, I get names mixed up a lot on this show. Happens. And so, I still think that when it comes to the playoffs, it's how do you look going into the playoffs. And so, we have the bats. We ha- we, we're getting a lot of production from the bottom of our lineup randomly. So, Jan Gomes, uh, Gary, Greg Allen, not Gary Allen, Greg Allen. Gary Allen's a country, trash country singer. He's so bad. I can't stand his music. Songs about He's just so sad all the time. <laughs> but, um. Ooh. I know. And then to get off a topic for just a split second, Chris, Amer- Chris America sent us a question earlier I didn't notice until now 
He said Jimmy Johnson or Nick Saban. Better coach. I'd say Jimmy Johnson just because he did it at two different places. That would you be could, my that would be my argument. I would argue Jimmy twice. Johnson, but th- let's not forget that Saban has pretty much had a dynasty for a decade plus. So Saban gets the nod and longevity at one program, but Jimmy Johnson was created something great at Miami, but then he left, and then he created something great in Dallas, and then him and Jerry got into it. I think if Jimmy would have ever had longevity, he would be the greatest coach of the modern era. I'm going to give, you know, the, the Lombardis and the Belichicks and those guys that are in one sport, like the, in one facet, so like the NFL, right? Right. Like Belichick, um, Bill Parcells, Bill Walsh, Chuck Knoll, Tom Landry. Th- those are like the icons of the sport, right? And so in college football, you really have Bear Bryant, Nick Saban. I hate to say it, but you got to throw Urban in there with three national sure. titles. You've got to throw Jimmy Johnson there with what he did at Miami. Tom Osborne at Nebraska. And so, yeah, Jimmy Johnson's an interesting one. I would say the best coach to coach both NFL and NCAA is not even close. Yeah. Because it's him and really, if, if Harbaugh... If Harbaugh would have won a Super Bowl and a national championship, but that's really hard to do. So. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, there's a reason why not very many people have been able to do it. I mean, it's not like it's something that everybody can do. Right. It's kind of like the NBA and NCAA, like Larry Brown's done it. And then really, who else has, right. has won a college and a pro national championship? Pete Carroll's another one that was really good in college and then had a very... Because remember when Seattle started all this, I thought Seattle was going to be a force to reckon with for five, ten years. It's just all those DBs wanted to get paid. And then you had this weird offense versus defense dynamic in that locker room to where the defense feels like Russell Wilson gets all this money, but we really carry them. And if you watch football, you can tell Russell Wilson's phenomenal at quarterback, especially for his size. I mean, he's he he is Drew Brees 2.0. What's speed? With speed and with no offensive line, like running, literally has ran for his life his whole career and has continued. And think about it, who who has his best receiver been since he's been there? Doug Baldwin? Mm -hmm. Like, that's consistently been there. Yeah. Um, Pretty much. And so, yeah, I I would say, I would say Jimmy over Nick. And I don't hold Nick's NFL against him because Nick was there two years and was like, nope, I'm done. I'm going to go. That's like Steve Spurrier. <laughs> Those guys went to the pros and they're like, this ain't for me and went right back to college. And then the, the thing about it is that you got to look at these coaches. And this is where Chip Kelly's going to come into play. So you have Spurrier, who was really good at Florida, went to the NFL and was not good, went right back to college, picked up right where he left off, and built a South Carolina program. Right. Really into a legit SEC program. I know they've been down the last couple years since, you know, he retired. And then you look at a guy like Saban, was really good at LSU. He was good at Michigan State for a little bit, was really good at LSU near the end. Goes to the NFL, oh, that didn't work, and then creates a dynasty at Alabama. Because people forgot, really, besides the national title in 1993 that they got under Gene Stallings, between Bear Bryant and Nick Saban, Alabama wasn't just like 
in the early 2000s, Alabama wasn't a dominant program. They were a middle-of-the-run SEC team. Saban brought that back. So let's give Nick Saban credit. Like now Saban gets the five-star. Saban did that. Because people get it twisted that Alabama's always been this team. They forget that what they were under Shula whenever whenever. They Saban also forget they there. hired a, a coach called Mike Price, who then like took a bunch of recruits of strippers and they ran him out there like before he even coached the game. Like Yeah. It's kinda like what Shiano happened to Tennessee. They ran him off before he ever even he before he even got to the press conference. Like Yeah, that was that was crazy because just being associated with that program with all the Sandusky thing is what did him in. And true. I just don't think that Greg Schiano would have got the Rutgers job and would have gotten the Tampa Bay Buccaneers job if they thought that he had any involvement in the cover-up of that. Mm-hmm. An NFL team is not going to, especially with the PR nightmares that the NFL already has, they're not going to hire a guy they think had anything close to do with that. Right. The Tennessee fan base has drove him out, and so like, I have no love for the University of Tennessee. I just that showed me something like that just shows you how truly delusional Vol fans are, and and it's the mob mentality. It's like they, the for the most part, the mob doesn't have all the information, right? So what the mob does is they hear something and they go crazy and they protest. But the majority that not all, but the majority of what we would call the mob hasn't gathered all the facts. So they hear one guy on the internet say, "Oh, Greg Schiano was there and he knew that Sandusky was doing these little boys." And, and it's like, really? Because last time I checked, we knew it was the redhead, the redheaded coaches, dude. Whatever his name was, I don't even want to bring up that situation. No. Because I loved Penn State growing up. Don't get me wrong. Like I lived in Pennsylvania. I thought Joe Paterno was like a legend. I'm not gonna say a god because I don't believe people are gods, but yeah. So it, it, it's kind of ridiculous. So that's my little round table. The Indians are still winning five. <laughs> yeah. Th- there we go. Get back to the round table. Because. Yeah, just and it's top of the eight, so hopefully, I mean, it's five to two, so uh, it's always chance for the bullpen to blow a lead. Mm-hmm. I know that feeling very well. But as long as we lock up Lindor and Jose Ramirez and Corey Kluber, anybody else to me is extendable. You can build those are guys you can build around for another decade. I agree. So what's up with you? Uh, man, just uh, found out last night that we dropped the dropped the option on Martin Perez, so. We might finally be getting rid of his clown self out of Arlington. That's helpful. Yeah. Gives us another roster spot for somebody that's not going to completely fall on their face for a change. That'd be that'd be a nice change. Uh, I've been begging to get rid of him for the longest, but they said they said they're not picking up his current deal. That they might pick up his pick. You might bring him back, but on a cheaper deal. But please, God, just let him go. Just, just let him go. Find somebody else. Let him go. Now, he's for the fans out there who don't know who Martin Perez is, tell the fans who Martin Perez is. He is a pitcher for my Texas Rangers. Is he a starter or is he a bullpen? Starting pitcher. They got moved to the bullpen. Oh, guess what? So I just typed in Martin Perez on Google, and the first thing that came up from the Dallas Morning News: What has gone so wrong with the Rangers Martin Perez experiment? And that was three hours ago. Uh, everything. And so, to to be honest, everything because the guy's not good. But, you, but surprisingly, this year, surprisingly this year, even in a bad year, 
uh, Mike Miner's actually been halfway decent. Like, I didn't really expect that, but he's been halfway decent. Uh, but I will say this. I do want Perez gone next year. I want the Bartolo Colon experiment to be over with. Like, yes. I'm okay either way with either trading Miner in the offseason or keeping him as a middle-of-the-rotation guy or whatever you may do. I'll let it be known. I want Matt Harvey in Arlington. Oh, wow. His last. Okay, so these are Martin's last couple of starts. So, August 12th against the Yankees, he gave up 11 hits and 7 runs. Against the Angels, he gave up 9 hits and 6 runs. And against San Francisco, he gave up 5 hits and 4 runs. So, his ERA is now at 695. He's got a career 4.67 ERA. Um, he hasn't been the same since he had that since he had the Tommy John surgery like four years ago. He had a good... Martin Perez has been good for like a part of one season and been absolute dog garbage like ever since. Like it's 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 bad. It's time for him to go. But yeah, I don't like... As far as guys to try to improve this team next year, people are getting so hype on players and it always happens, but... I don't see any way that Kershaw comes here to Texas. Like, I, I don't see that happening at all. No. Um, when do y'all open that new stadium? After next year. Yeah. Next so. year is the last year, so 2020. And, and, and what kind of stadium is it? Indoor. So, that should help a little bit because the history of the Texas oh, Rangers... It's, it's, it's got a retractable roof. It's not completely indoor, but... Right. They will be playing a lot of our games with that roof on, especially considering how hot it is in Texas. Yes, and that, that's going to be my bigger point is because of how hot it is in Texas in the summer, pitching has been – the history of your franchise has been mediocre to bad pitching. Your offense this year is actually like fifth or sixth in the AL. Yeah. Like, it's up there. Like, yeah. runs scored, and, like, your offense hasn't really been a problem. You guys can score runs in bunches. Once they finally figured it out. Yeah, like, I love Odor. I do too. Like he's probably that's my like, guy. I mean, that's that's my new favorite Ranger. <laughs> and y'all love bringing up that time that he beat up Joey Bautista, but dude, that looks so bad because Joey Bautista pushed him and then just got his, got beat down. Like that was embarrassing. I watched that again, and I was just like, now I see why Ranger fans make T-shirts of this because Joey Bautista looked like he didn't want any parts of them problems afterwards. Like he didn't want them hands. Like that's why. Okay, so I'm not if you watch that fighting, it, but I like it when people who act like tough guys get exposed, and a guy like Rough, how do you say his name? Rugnet. Rugnet. When Rugnet just goes up there and freaking like, okay, this is why you don't want these problems, bro. <laughs> and then if you keep watching the video, like whenever it spills out into the outfield, like everybody's pulling Rugi back into the, like, literally pulling him back all the way back to the outfield, and then Josh Donaldson comes and runs up at him, and he jumps. And he clocks him in the air. When it, like, if you, like, you have to be really, like, rewind and watch and rewind and watch to catch it. But, like, if you look, it's like from a distance, you see Josh Donaldson just see hand, fist, go right across the face, like, when he jumps up in the air. It's like, it was the most awesome scene. Craziest, but most awesome scene I've ever seen. That's freaking hilarious, bro. He's all mad over a bat flip. Hey, but don't he worry. He shouldn't have hey, done it. Hey, don't worry. Man, that bat flipping... Bat flipping is one thing, but when you're trying to just straight up show somebody up, that's different. When you hit that home run in that spot, it's it, it's it's a to, to me, stand there to stand there and watch and then throw your bat down near into the crowd though. Really? Yeah, man, it's baseball. It's a game of emotion. 
That's always been my argument. But but what I will say is, if you do that, you've got repercussions. Yes, that's, that, and that's been the history of baseball, right? So I'm not mad at the Ranger fans for feeling a way about it. I also understand that in the moment, because the bat flip is like the new thing now. Like mm-hmm. like Hayden, our, our our owners, our job. Like he he talked about how he bat flips. And I promise you, like, Missy and Kelly, I love you, but if, if your son ever bat-flipped on me, he's, he's getting one in the back the next time. That's just how it works. Yep. Um, I was, I was going to say something now, else about that. Now, my one thing about that. Oh, don't worry. That. We took care of them that year for you the next round of the playoffs, though, so you're welcome. Mm-hmm. And so there was no Joey Bats. Joey Bats, I mean. Mr. Mr. I'm going to get traded from the NL East three times in a year, Batista. Yeah, he did get traded a whole bunch this year, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Went from the from the Braves to the Mets to the Phillies. He did play for all them, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Joey, Bats. he's on the Phillies now. The only one left is the only one left really is the Nationals and the uh, Marlins. Yeah, you think Jeter can get that thing turned around? Nope, I think it's going to be a colossal failure. Why so? Look at why. Look at he's gotten basically nothing for these players. Like all of these guys that you could, you were supposed to use to 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 rebuild your your franchise around, like Justin Bohr and Giancarlo Stanton, and Yelich, who's Christian Yelich, who might be in DNL MVP this year, Derek Dietrich, uh, all them guys. You should have gotten st- enough to start the foundation of rebuilding. They basically gave Justin Bohr away. I understood. I understood getting rid of Stanton. Yeah, because that contract the contract was, a, was ridiculous. Yeah, for the amount of time. But he for what they got, no more than what they got for Christian Yelich, though. That's just like, and the fact that they still, even though they know that they're rebuilding it, they still hung on to Derek Dietrich and they still hung on to Justin Bohr up until like the waiver deadline and got basically nothing for him. Like, they traded Justin Bohr, who could have easily gotten three at least proficient like helpful prospects at least they got one pitcher now remind you I want to be very clear about something Derek Jeter is not the Marlins GM nope Derek Jeter now Derek Jeter signs off on this now Derek Jeter is a minority owner Mm -hmm. so he's part of a group Derek Jeter has a lot of money right Derek Jeter doesn't have controlling owner money right so when we we talk about money in sports we talk about Oh, Derek Jeter's got $20 million. He's rich. He's got $100 million. He's rich. Well, that's why Michael Jordan, it took Michael Jordan a long time to become the controlling owner of the now Charlotte Hornets, right? Uh It takes a lot of money. So, and the other thing I didn't like that Derek Jeter did is he ran off all the the Marlins dudes that were part of that, like Andre Dawson, Jeff Conine, uh, whoever the other dude was. I don't really remember who it was, but... Anyways, I, I digress. Anything else you want to say about any of your teams? Because we've got about five minutes left until we have to get off air. These guys that I'm right here, I'm waiting. Fire the coach. No, no. Uh, I'm I'm not concerned with the preseason stuff. I'm really not. Like all these delusional, moronic fans that are saying, oh, we need to get rid of Mike Vrabel because he can't win preseason games. People, calm down. It's the preseason. It's, it's the freaking preseason. It, oh, Mariota's going to be terrible because he couldn't play good in the preseason. He's played like three, like at most three freaking series. Right. And he played against the Steelers. It's not like he's losing and getting his brains beat in by the Browns. Like, come on. Like, people, get be smarter. And you're going to tell me that you think that Mike Vrabel and with better coaching, better defense, 
better help on offense, that we're going to win less games than we won with the pathetic coaching staff with Mike Malarkey and Terry Obisky, people, please, 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 if you're going to have stupid stuff to say like this, just like, don't bother, like, just stay off Twitter. Just, just stay off Twitter and just watch. Don't watch or get, even at that. Don't watch the games. Matter of fact, because if you, if you think that less of the team and you think that they are that bad, just don't even waste your time watching. Just right. simple as that. Like, I understand being skeptical, and that's fine. That's that's purely natural. But don't be stupid with it. That's my only thing. Just don't be stupid with it. Don't. There's no point in putting this much stock in a preseason. Yeah, I mean. I'll, I'll say and I'll keep saying it. The Detroit Lions went 0 16 in the year that they went 4 0 in the preseason. And the Eagles didn't do good in the preseason last year, and then they won the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, and they're, they're, they're like, oh, the Eagles have a Super Bowl hangover because they're having a bad preseason. It's like, well, they don't have their starting quarterback. Um, they're not, like, and that's the thing about preseason. It's these guys just look at the results, and I'm like, do you see who's playing? Like, and two, the thing with us, we haven't played our. our Two first-round picks that we got are two first-round picks, but Rashawn Evans hasn't played. Harold Landry got hurt and really hasn't played. Arakpo hasn't played. Derek Morgan hasn't played. Our starters on offense, like Deion Lewis and uh, Derek Henry and Mariota, they still haven't played a whole heck of a lot. Like, people chill. People chill. We don't even, like, the guys that are going to be making an impact on both sides of the ball, they aren't even playing. They're not playing. How old is Brian Arapko now? Because I remember him from the Caveman commercial. I feel like he's been around for a minute. He has he has been around for a minute because I, I was watching the uh, Texas versus uh, the Reggie Bush 30 for 30 and it showed like the Texas versus uh, USC National Championship thing last night. And uh, I didn't know this until I saw it, but Brian Arapko was on that Texas team. Yeah. So he's well, he's thirty two. I mean, he's not, not bad. super not bad. super old, but he. I guess he he got a lot of commercials when he was like three years in the league. Because remember they had that caveman commercial and it's like. Rack was a monster still. Do you remember that commercial? And he's like, I'm not, I, I'm not, you're not invited to the pancake social in the morning or whatever. It was a caveman Geico commercial. Because Arapko said he's like Arapko, get me in the game, and he gets him with all like the cheerleaders at the bottom of the pyramid. <laughs> it, was, it was a really funny commercial. But we're coming up on two minutes, so... Two more minutes, but uh, what about your Steelers? What do you think? Oh, we're going to win the division, and we'll see what the defense looks like without Shazir. The offense should be phenomenal. We'll see. I think... I mean, you don't think so? I think y'all win the division. I don't think y'all... I think you... I think you, the Steelers and Titans, I think they're going to have a pretty much the exact same record. But yeah, it may be a game or two different, but... I think we'll be pretty close to the same. I think if our young guys on defense keep getting better, Ben doesn't turn the ball over, and we can just escape that Jacksonville game, I think we'll be just fine. Yeah. If we can win, like, you're one of these surprise wins this year that nobody expects us to win, and then win all the other games that we expect to win, we should have a really good year. Like, James Washington is going to be a monster. I bro. just got this weird – I don't know why. I got this weird feeling we're fixing to beat somebody, like – we're going to end up doing something like beating Philadelphia and then, like, lose to, like, Baltimore or something. Like, I have this weird feeling that something weird is going to happen this year, but we're going to, along the way, we're still going to end up, like, either 
I'm gonna say either 11 and five or 12 and four. I'm thinking 11 and five, maybe 10 and six for us, just because of the schedule and how it plays out. But I also think that Baltimore is my sneaky pick for the sixth playoff spot. Yeah. Well, we're right up against it, guys. So we're gonna get on out of here. But uh, we will see y'all, listen to y'all, talk to y'all tomorrow on uh, Talking Hogs Live. We will be doing our pre-day, pre-game Razorback special show for Fridays. 